Thanks for joining us for another edition of Inside Vet CX. My name's Michael McKean, and today we're lucky enough to be joined by Dr. David Butchard. Good to be here, Michael. Now, it um, wasn't just that long ago we had uh, one of your senior practice coaches, Tracy Caymans, joining us. And on the back of that webinar, uh, we've had um, some people sort of mentioning that we should try and get you on to uh, have a bit of a chat and share some wisdom uh, from yourself, more from, a, I guess, an a industry financial perspective, because I know that you're obviously the CEO of VGP at the moment, but you've also owned a practice, you've been in the UK, and you've also been a bit of a cricket superstar from what I read. Is that right? Uh, I, I, all of those things apart from superstars, I did play cricket for a long time, but I was fortunate enough to play with some very good players. So, yeah. And who, can you drop any names for us? Uh, a few few Australian players. So let's just leave it at that. But, uh, right. but yeah, I was, I was more of a, uh, a viewer than a participant <laughs> when they were playing. So. Right, got to. So you went to uni in Sydney and this is where you did some cricket as well before you headed uh, to the UK, is that right? Yeah, sure. So, I, yeah, I went to Sydney Uni, obviously studied vet science, and graduated in 1995, was playing cricket and baseball for Sydney University for a a number of years and then uh, went to the UK. I was fortunate enough that my grandfather was British so I didn't have to go over as a locum. I went over there and found a permanent job which was fantastic. Worked two and a half years in the Sussex countryside which was very all creatures great and small was was fantastic Uh, and then relocated to London and and enjoyed that side of it as well and after four years I really couldn't deal with another winter in uh in london so i decided to come to come back home uh to sydney and was working in in a practice there got to a stage where i i really wasn't sure where like a lot of vets you've been out for five years and you're not really sure where your career is headed and so i thought to myself well i don't know what i want to do but i know that i need more skills so i went and and enrolled in a Masters of Business Administration. And I, I actually left a full-time practice and became a full-time student, which was uh, interesting at the age of 31, 32, something like So that. none of the and, old uh, antics uh, going on? Uh, no, I'm not quite, not quite <laughs> like, uh, like at university with dollar, dollar drinks on a Thursday night, but uh, a little bit more refined than that. But... but uh, amazing experience. Uh, got to, you know, do a lot of work with some really clever people in the business world, and so that really changed probably my way of thinking more than anything else. Um, up until then, obviously, all of my education had really been focused on on being a vet. This opened my eyes to other opportunities, and so out of that, I I sort of fell into a a job in a multinational pharmaceutical company as a as a brand manager, so in the marketing department, and that was really good. It was uh, lots of responsibility for you know marketing products and and making sure that uh, you achieved budget and also new product development. Was there for a, f- a few years and restructure meant, meant that I uh, I was made redundant, but that was fantastic timing for me. Uh, went back into into practice in the eastern suburbs and what followed from there was really buying into uh, practice at Bondi Vet Hospital and 
from there we we grew the practice and then literally the first iteration of vgp was like a lot of great business ideas and business ventures started over a beer at the pub uh with with a, a couple of neighboring inverted commas competitors but really just neighboring practices we started a buying group called the eastern buyers group that was great that grew fairly quickly i then took it over rebranded it called platinum vet alliance and then in 2017 we did a joint venture with guys in the u.s called veterinary growth partners and that's how vgp australia started yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I, I remember the day of Alliance Partners and I mean, that was, you know, that was a raging success, which obviously took you into the next part. But it's amazing that the journey I think you've taken, not only obviously having the UK stint and obviously not having to locum because you, you know, got the permanent residency um, side of things covered, which was, which was great. But then the ability to do an MBA, which obviously, you know, you've seen that really enhance, I guess, your knowledge of practice and, and, and the ins and outs that go on with that, but also, you know, being a partner and, and running a practice. So, I mean, I think, you know, firsthand probably better than most in terms of the different elements that are at play with practice in today's environment. Yeah, for sure. It's great to have all that experience and to be able to pull upon that when we're, when we're helping our members. Uh, I think that it's relatively unique for, for non-practice owners as, or who are vets to go and do an MBA, but it's certainly something that, and I really thought, I mean, one of the things about an MBA is that you want to be able to put what you're learning into practice. And that wasn't really going to happen as an associate vet. I I didn't think at the time. So um, probably a bit different now when there's more corporates. And so you could be a veterinary director and do that. But certainly at the time, showing my age, I guess, uh, that, that wasn't the case. So I really just took a punt and, and hope that it work. And, and I think now, I mean, yeah, for me, one of the best things I ever did. But having said that, going back into practice was was fantastic and probably wasn't really as much. There's a lot of help these days for practice owners if they know where to look. And so really what we're about now is trying to give practice owners access to the help and resources that a corporate would get. And I hope that, you know, we've got a, about 170 practices as as members of VGP now. So I guess that that's pretty good. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah. And so obviously not the first group that you've set up and definitely probably one of the most successful with the happiest members from, from I guess what we see in here um, out there at the moment. But I guess often we talk about buying groups being part of, you know, different bits and pieces. Essentially, I guess if you had to sum it up really quickly, what would you say the benefit of, of these? I mean, because I think there are a different amount of groups and, you know, all with what is it essentially for those, you know, listening at the moment? Yeah, I guess our group's really trying to, as I said, give independent vet practice owners and practice managers access to the negotiated agreements with our industry partners that at the same level as a corporate would get. So to be able to compete on products on price if needed, so to improve their profitability, to enhance their efficiencies and their practice just in general through coaching and being able to uh, share ideas in a network of, of practices. Along with all of that, we have a lot of online tools that sit in our library that we can, can our members can access at any time so they don't have to be speaking to a coach. And then one of the really big things, Michael, I think is yeah, we, we all know that 
the vet industry is a people game. It's all about your staff and how your staff treat and interact with clients. And one of the issues in the industry is that there are mental health issues with certain people and it's it's a hard job right so it's a it's a it's a taxing job and so we want to be able to for people to have an outlet of being able to talk to others but we also have a uh, a team wellness program where our members can access an independent uh, counsellor completely anonymously and, and we pay for that so it's not coming oh, out of their own right. pocket well, that is, you know, I mean, obviously the mental health thing is, you know, it's been around and prevalent and known for, you know, for some time and you're 100% right, you know, one of the toughest industries to be involved in from a day-to-day perspective. But so what I'm, I guess, summarising what you're saying is really you're a part of a community with giving the tools for a, an independent business to compete with some of the, you know, the big boys in town, but also be able to access some coaches who we recently, like I mentioned earlier, spoke with one of your coaches, Tracy. And if you haven't heard that, you probably should jump on and have a bit of a listen to that podcast as well. And that gives some great insights as just coaching that you can access a you know a lend an ear for someone who maybe has been there and done that before and if they don't have the right answer for you you know you were telling me before we started this that you know you, you're obviously well connected given your experience that you can connect them to people who do have the a right answer and it maybe it's not the right answer even it's just a different perspective on something yeah that's right i mean the the one thing about a practice is that there's only so far you can drive down a price or get a better deal because someone's not going to sell you a product for below what they buy it for. So there's only so far you can go with that. And so once you've ticked that box, it's really then about how do you either grow your existing practice? How do you get more clients? How do you make those clients more wedded to your practice? And, and how do you essentially provide really good standards of care and and all of those sort of things and lots of vet practices doesn't matter if they're small animal mixed or equine practices there's still a lot of similarities in the issues that practice owners and practice managers and staff uh, face day in day out and i think that one of the things that would be great for for members of groups would be to access the resources and the, and the help that they can get because that's really where you're going to get the most upside. It's great to be able to get cheaper products, but it's not really the way that you are going to win that game. It's, uh, it's by making your practice more efficient and finding people who have done it before to help you do it well. I guess all we can do is encourage people who potentially are not a part of a group at the moment, uh, reach out and look at what groups are out there. So you're not sort of on your own or feel like you're, you know, you're sort of, you know, out in the suburbs of whichever city you might be um, or town in Australia, that there is, you know, like-minded people that are a fantastic community that you've fostered already and going well. So thanks for the introduction. I guess what we wanted to talk about today, and it's important to probably point out that we're recording this podcast in the middle of some really bizarre circumstances, and that's COVID-19. And so currently, as we speak, we've got some real differences in different states across Australia, with Melbourne being in a complete lockdown, New South Wales, I'm not able to access Queensland. And I think the list goes on. But I think for those owners, practice managers who are listening today and, you, you know, you and your team are interacting with, um, you know, practices 
all the time. What's going on out there at the moment? You know, what's the biggest thing you're hearing? And I'd like to really try and explore that a little bit if we can. So those listening um, who have similar problems might be able to gain a better idea or understanding of maybe how to approach something in a different way. Yeah, it's, um, as you say, it's pretty unprecedented times. But I think one of the things that has has been constant across the country is that vets are really busy. And a lot of that is because pretty much for a while, most of the country was in some sort of lockdown and people wanted companionship with, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of pets that have a lot of new pets to families. And so that's, that's a great thing. I mean, it's a fantastic thing that there's not many pets in, uh, in shelters or the RSPCA, et cetera. So, you know, that's, that's wonderful. But it also means that uh, there's a lot more demand for veterinary services. And from certainly a, uh, a companion animal aspect, I think that with the more demand has made it really challenging for vets because we've had to change the way we interact with clients. And so there's, you know, some, some practices, there's no one, no clients in the building. And so doing curbside, some practices have split into two teams. Some, uh, you know, it's, it's different everywhere, but the, the overwhelming thing is that vet practices are busier. People are trying to access their services and there's, and I guess that if you don't have a good setup in order for potential clients or your existing clients to access those services, then they may look elsewhere. So obviously from our point of view, having the ability to be able to book consultations online, I think is, is great. It, keep, it keeps your phones open. And then and I think one of the stressful points is, has been the phones because we often find that a, there's more, a greater volume of calls, but then also that's almost doubling up when uh, the client arrives in the, in the car park and they're then told to ring the clinic again. And so you're almost getting double the amount of calls and the staff are relatively anxious and potentially stressed anyway, because mm. of just the, the situation that we're in. And when you're a vet in a vet practice, often what happens is that when the phone rings, everyone just gets on edge and it not, not in a necessarily always a bad way, but it's one of those things that we've got to answer the phone, got to answer the phone, but we're also trying to do five things at the same time. So what that can translate into is being relatively abrupt and to the point on the phone rather than, and then, and therefore the, uh, the client doesn't have a great experience. There must be some truth to what you're saying then. <laughs> not that it's not normally, but you know, something that was very relevant from when Tracy joined us was, you know, was definitely around that you know, obviously that wanting to provide an excellent service, but having so many things going on in the practice at one time when the phone rings, it's almost a bit of a distraction to the team. But I just wanted to touch on the point that you, you made reference to is that, you know, the double up of the phone calls because some practices are saying, you know, you can't just waltz on into the practice when you arrive, you need to give us a call from the car park. And so therefore there's another call coming in. I mean, for your Melbourne members and those that you're talking to or, or Victoria as a whole, I guess, at the moment that's really challenging too because I, I guess trying to restrict the amount of people that are inside the practice from a team perspective but then you've got you know owners and all the other different complications so i guess getting the extra phone call is is just another thing where you've, you know, you're needing to staff that reception area as well yeah some practices have tried to mitigate that by having someone 
essentially stand watch of the car park, if you like. So, and then they, they've got a list of who's coming in. So they, they know that Mrs. Jones with Fluffy is coming in at 10 o'clock. And so they can predict that to a degree, but that also means that that person is a, is a resource that needs to be potentially outside rather than inside. And well, A, that's not much fun when it's winter in Melbourne. And, uh, and B, that's, um, and it's just taking away another resource to, that could be utilised to make the practice more efficient internally. So yeah, and yeah, definitely. I mean, it's challenging. Sure. Well, it's an increased cost as well, obviously, um, you know, because you still need to pay the person who's standing out in the car park to, you know, what meet and greet those those clients as they're arriving. And number one thing, Michael, is that all veterinary practice owners, staff, no matter if you're working in a vet practice, your number one goal is to provide really good care for your your patient now and so that's what vets are very good at doing they're very good at vets and their staff are very good at providing excellent care to the the patients and if that's your number one goal then you're still going to continue to do that it's just that other things because of manpower or whatever that is are going to probably have to slip a little bit okay so we're hearing that practices are busy we're seeing that you know there's you know more puppies more kittens which is obviously increasing the demand on practice as you said do you think it's also got something to do with people to you know they're at home more and they're seeing the you know the dog or the cat and noticing that something's not quite right therefore they're, they're, they're taking action to sort of remedy that i definitely think that's part of it as well and i also think that because vets are seen as essential services and the the owners know they're open and the owners have got zero opportunity to go anywhere else then some people want to go to the vet they want to get outside they want to actually go okay well we will go and get the dog's teeth cleaned or whatever it is because you know that was mentioned at a time where maybe even before COVID or uh, or whatever and now they're actually acting upon that I don't think there's just one factor I think there's a number of factors at play and you know there's also been this discussion that that's here today and therefore what's tomorrow look like do you think that's a tough one well, that's hard, right? Because I think that it's let's hope that at the moment, you know, Victoria's pretty, Melbourne's pretty much in lockdown, and and it's got to be really hard for those guys. And and where I am in Brisbane is pretty pretty chilled out, to be honest. The me the majority of the community is just going along business as usual and there's very little spread i mean obviously there's issues around borders etc which is someone else to deal with but uh, but yeah I, I think it's it's hard to know where this is going to go because it just is really going to depend on the spread i mean we've seen new zealand did a great job and then suddenly it's back there again so i think that one of the great things around vet practices will be that there'll be a lot of learnings from this about how how practices can do certain things more efficiently and how how they can things that they need to keep and the things that they don't need to keep. Yeah, and, and I think that also there's there's opportunities as well with whether that's technology, with say teleconsults, or whether that's I, I think looking at the parts of their businesses that they maybe don't always like and maybe don't always do as well, and maybe outsourcing some of that. You know, even from my perspective, some of the you know the way that we run business, regardless whether you're a vet business or any other type of business, it is is that you know we always thought that things had to be done in a certain way but we really quickly realized i guess that when crunch time comes to crunch that you know you can 
find a different way to do things and, and you can persevere. I mean, you know, working in corporate world, uh, you know, for a long time myself, you know, the, the analogy of working from home was that you sit at home and, you know, you put the washing on the line or you go to the park or, you know, you go and sit and have coffees with all your mates. But I think what we're actually finding now is that when people work from home, they're actually doing more work um, than what they are in the office because we cut out the commute. So I think we've changed our, our approach or, or our opinion towards different things, you know, that telemedicine is a great one because we've certainly seen that come alive in the COVID side of things. But how else do you think practices are doing things differently? I mean, you were telling me an example before about some clients who are seeing some really great outcomes. Uh, when I say clients, I mean your members were, were talking you through some some other things that they were doing differently and that was uh, potentially around the phones, but also the, the telehealth side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly one of our, I mean, we have got a few members who are utilising the Vet CX call centre type situation where, and the incoming calls are taken by the Vet CX team and not necessarily for the whole day but certainly during the peak times where they they have morning rush and afternoon rush and it gives the the staff the ability to concentrate and focus on the the client and the patient as well as yeah and not have the stress of the phones ringing and so from all all reports the client this both at the staff and the clients love it. When you start to dig a little bit deeper, obviously that comes at a cost, but when when we've done some of the numbers, it's pretty impressive what the return on investment is for for that service, uh, not only the team wellness side of it, but but really, you know, we're looking at you know, a practice that was doing about 560 consults a month and prior to VetsyX take the uh, inbound calls and after one month, that was up to 620. So that's a greater than 10% increase. So that's basically 60 extra consults in that month. So we look at 60 extra consults in a month and we're doing, you know, on an average transaction value of say $200 for the consult and whatever else is happening in the consult whether that's you know, vaccinations, blood work, all those sort of things, then 200 times 60, you know, it's $12,000. And then obviously the onflow of that is extra surgeries and procedures. And so if you say, say every fifth consult, there would be a procedure booked in, then that's, you know, and the procedure at a really low level value would be say $500, then, you know, we're talking about, you know, another, another few thousand dollars. So you're probably looking at about, you know, $15,000 a month. And so if you extrapolate that out over the whole year, that's an extra $180,000 and, and a happier team because they're not, they're not having to answer the phones. Now, obviously that does come at a cost, but certainly the return on investment is multiple times what you've paid out. Well, definitely. And the other point that you mentioned is that, you know, the impact on the team. And I think we touched earlier around mental health and like burnout at those types of things, you know, because in these current times where we are busy, we are asking a lot from our team. And there's some examples out there where practice owners or managers are actually just giving the team a breather from their phones in the middle of the day, purely to have a lunch break, to sit down and sort of, you know, have a sandwich under a tree, which I think would be unheard of in your time. 
time. Obviously, there's a number of days where if you're in a, if you're having a busy day or you're in a busy practice where the chocolates that are given as presents or by the clients or the cookies that have been given by one of the sales reps are the standard staple diet for lunch when you're rushing between things. And that's not, as you said, that's not sustainable. That's not good for anyone really. And I mean, one of the great things about vet practice teams is that they really gel together to get those things done, but it's not a sustainable thing to happen. And to be able to... It's a cost, really, I guess. And a lot of the time, unfortunately, that's the people that, you know, suffer, I guess, in terms of, you know, fatigue, sure. and burnout and so forth. So, but it's so if we go back again, we're talking about practices are a lot busier at the moment and they've had to find ways to, to make things work. So we're talking about now is just simply by not all of the day, but at parts of the day, give the team a breather from the phones, have the phones answered externally. And some basic numbers, which I think you've given there is around one member you said as an example, roughly we're talking about was able to attribute around about 60 extra appointments a month or you know more than 10% increase in their appointments. Do you think that's purely just because the people who are external to the practice are able to have a genuine conversation with the person on the end of the phone without being distracted? I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a big part of it because that, that's, that is their role. Their role is to engage with the client. Their role is to answer the phone, engage with the client, and they don't have those external distractions and stress of all of the other hustle and bustle that's happening around them in, in the practice. So I think that that is a... Um, and then what happens is that there's... It's very easy to, when you ring a practice or when you speak to anyone on the phone to to tell whether they're engaged or not without even seeing them. So, and sometimes what happens is that you're dealing with a situation right there, the phone goes off, someone's got to answer it, et cetera. And it, it's almost like you don't want to do it, but you're just almost fobbing that client off because what is in front of you is very important. But I know that as a practice owner and also coaching practices is that those clients think why they're ringing is important as well. So it's it just is, I think that it's, well, a few factors, Michael. I think that it's A, that's their role and that's what they're good at. B, people can tell when they're being listened to and heard and and they therefore have a better experience so they're they're more likely to come in there's more like there's you know one of the other things that this practice showed was that there was like close to 40 percent decrease in no-shows wow. so that's a that's a huge thing right so because people are there going well they do want to see me because they spoke to someone who was just dedicated to that job yeah also difficulty and i guess the schedule from an owner manager perspective where if, if there is really this massive increase in demand managing that schedule and making sure that those no-shows you know which effectively is costing you money and the ability to see another patient are so important but almost 40 percent reduction is i think is is pretty huge what you mentioned before those numbers even and given you've done your mba and you can now apply that into practice world i mean that's a pretty huge number you know roughly around about what, what did you think it was around about 180 Oh, yeah, just... but I'm trying to be conservative. I think that, you know, this practice had their phones taken by the, the call centre for four hours a day and the upside was that. So I guess... That's we, not, that's not even a full day, I guess. It's not even a full day. That's right. So the upside was that. And so therefore, and then the financial upside conservatively, I think would be around about the $180,000 mark, but could easily be significantly more than that as well. But can you just really quickly in, in I guess, basic, 
terms, just step through those numbers again for us, just so if someone listening sitting there with their pen and paper trying to work it out, and we are talking roughly, but just from a how are you getting to that number? Well, so they did about 60 extra appointments a month. So if you do 60 times, say, an average consult value, so that could be anything from just a consult with cleaning a dog's ears and medication to vaccination heartworm and selling other things or blood tests or whatever. So if we just say the average consult value is $200 times 60 is $12,000. If we say that, okay, you're doing an extra, they were doing about an extra 10 to 15 appointments per week. So that's that's where you get the 60 from. If you convert roughly 20% of those into a procedure, so, so it's whether it needs a dental or or a lump removal or, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we and if we really, the, the average surgical case, probably around about the $1,000 mark, but if we even just said it was around the $500 mark, then that's, so you're doing then, so you've done $12,000 a month and then you say have 10 extra, 10 extra appointments. So that's another $5,000. So you're probably around about the 17, 17,000 times 12, well, that's 200,000. So yeah, so 180 to $200,000 of upside less whatever you're paying for the service and that's obviously variable based on how often how much you get Betsy X to take the calls so massive upside massive upside and and, and also taking into account I guess the no-show rate is reducing as well but then we, we we talked briefly before around the impact on your people you can't really put a dollar figure on that no, and as you said before, I mean, for, for those people who really want to have a listen to someone who is really in the know about that is they should go and listen to Tracy's podcast because she's very much all about your staff and the impact upon them. And I think that that's really, it's, you know, she's got some really good ideas and uh, insights on that. She does, absolutely. And okay, so online booking, um, you know, a lot of discussion out there at the moment. It's, it's worthwhile. What's your view? Really, can you have a practice today without online booking? Oh, there's plenty of practices with online booking. Without online booking, there's practices without websites, Michael. So um, it just comes down to <laughs> how forward thinking you are. I mean, I think that you would, at worst, it would it would break even by having online booking. I think that the reality is that you would you give your clients or or potential new clients the opportunity to book their their pet in at any time they want without having to clog up the phones and certainly there's a decent chunk of the day when there's no no one answering the phones so yeah i mean i think you know with regards to online booking i think that there's there's a few different platforms out there i think that personally i think vetstoria is the best one gives you the the customer the greatest it's the most seamless and it lets them have the best experience it's not the cheapest but it's very rarely that the cheapest is the best so so yeah i think that online booking is pretty crucial and then i think that there probably is the opportunity and i don't think that vets in australia at the moment have taken it up as much as probably could have but uh but telemedicine as well and and a lot of i think i think that what we could probably look at at the moment right now with telemedicine is potential rechecks of uh, of surgical cases or of simple things uh rather than i mean it's never going to 
take the place of an actual physical exam. Uh, I mean, but if you look at a lot of, a lot of, I mean, when was the last time, uh, there's not many doctors who are vaccinating people anymore. It's often pharmacy and, and those sort of places. So it may well get to a stage where if, if the demand for vet services is so high that we may even get to a, a stage where in the future that, that qualified nurses are able to do a simple physical exam and, and vaccinating pets. That would take some load off off the vet teams, I think. So yeah, there's a there's a number of things that are practices can use to make their their business more efficient and and there'll be more to come i'm, I'm glad you mentioned telemedicine because that was my next on the list was you know understanding where online booking is so, to got your view on that which is great telemedicine you know if you're a practice that sits on the fence where what would you say if you're a practice that sits on the fence i would be starting to and you didn't want to say okay we're going to invest in a platform or you know sign up for a monthly subscription I would just start doing some FaceTime I would or Zoom calls with clients uh, for certain types of, of bookings, whether they're rechecks or whether they're or whatever that is. Uh, but and then seeing how that goes and seeing how it's embraced, and then if that goes well, then I think that the, there's platforms that are far more integrated and and specialised than the apps we have on our phones to do that. So where there's payment payment gateways and all that sort of stuff is linked, and you can store notes uh, client notes and all those sort of things which is obviously a lot more detailed than than the video conferencing apps that we have but yeah i mean i certainly think that it's it's going to come it's where it's whether it's just how you embrace it like most things so uh, i think uh, some really great insights around making some simple changes in the current environment that we're operating and then thinking a little bit differently when it comes to giving your team a breather from you know the phones and you know thinking around how you can provide a better client experience and also have a happy smiley team who are happy to go the extra mile and the increase in demand online booking you know we think should be something that's there telemedicine we should be starting to play with that because in this current time i think and we talked about this before we started recording this briefly we talked about you know practices that we know where they've sort of almost gone mia uh, in the middle of this whole pandemic and these uh, the clients are looking because you're the trusted professional so we really need to be there we need to be there to help them answer their questions and, and really guess think differently about how we're approaching the customer experience. Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, vets have, we now have many more, if we use the analogy of just paying for a bill, we now have many more ways to, a client can now pay for their account. So say their dog's had surgery, it's $1,500 and they don't necessarily have all the money up front. Obviously, we've traditionally had credit card, cash, FPOS, and then, if you felt sorry for someone, you could set up a payment plan that was literally, yes, we trust you and we hope you're going to come in and pay it off. Now, obviously, these days we have all of those things, but we have patient finance like VetPay or HUM or, or any of those sort of platforms that are regularly used. Like they're just day-to-day pet insurance as well. They're just day-to-day things that a vet will use. And I think that that's how these other technology platforms will go to as well. It's just ends up being how how much you want to, to push it. Yeah, and I think that it's worth dipping your toe in the water to say, 
what does this look like? And it doesn't, you don't necessarily need, not necessarily any expense for that. You could easily hand off telemedicine to receptionists to start to take payment details and then and then take it from there with an actual consultation. So yeah, I mean, it, I think it's about experiencing these things just uh, in the same way that people used to use, people used to give checks, right? I haven't seen a check for years. So that's, it's just progress. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think we just need to, or the best advice from what I'm hearing from you is really to stay, you know, stay, current as you can and think about things a little bit differently so david it's at, been, least try, at least trial some of these things you know if you just try them then you'll know whether they're for you absolutely and you have a lot of partners in your buying group at veterinary growth partners that provide some of these things that we've spoken about so what's the best way for them to you know or if they have some more questions or want to pick your brain given what we talked about earlier how can they reach out and get in touch with you or the team yeah so they can head to our website which is vgpvet.com.au you alternatively can contact uh, the email is contact at vgpvet.com.au and we we can get the appropriate person to answer any questions uh, that, that, that they have about whether that's about what we offer or just anything in general I mean, we're, we're literally just here to help everyone get through obviously this pandemic and from there really help them to try and grow their, their practices and, and thrive so plenty of options and it doesn't cost you anything to be a member is that right correct zero doesn't cost anything we're really trying to make it as easy as possible for people to get access to all the benefits and so they grow their practice and as I say get access to whether that's the wellness plan that we have or whether that's the discounts and rebates from most of the companies that they're probably already using. And if you haven't heard uh, the podcast already from Tracy who is uh, one of the senior coaches at Veterinary Growth Partners make sure you jump on Inside Vet CX and have a listen to that. So David I think we only scratched the surface really around some of the knowledge and expertise I think you can bring to the community so um, if it's okay with you, I'd love to try and schedule another time to get you back on and maybe explore some other different things that uh, that are affecting practice today. Sounds good. Sure. Thanks, thanks so much for your time today. We will definitely um, hold you to that and get you back on Inside Vet CX another time. Great. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Inside Vet CX, where we explore everything customer experience related. Make sure you check us out at vetcx.com.au or on social media, and we look forward to catching you next time on Inside Vet CX.